What's up? Welcome into the Fireside Bears YouTube channel. You know us, we're Usaid Koshal and Max Smith back here again with another great episode. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You can follow myself and Max on Twitter at Usaid Koshal and at Max Smith ESM. Like I said, guys, we're interviewing a whole bunch of 2022 NFL draft prospects. We've got another one in the house for you today. Coming to you from Oregon State, it's Trevon Bradford, wide receiver. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining the show. I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. So we're going to go ahead and get right into this. I mean, you know, we got to talk about your path to football first, because I know the last five years you've been playing wide receiver for the Beavers, but have you always played wide receiver or did you just start playing this as soon as you kind of arrived in college? Yeah, um, I mean, growing up, I always played, you know, multiple multiple positions. Uh, you know, I started off playing running back when I was younger. Um, played like safety and, and cornerback in, in high school. And then my sophomore year in high school is really when I transitioned and started focusing on playing wide receiver. So I got to ask a follow up because, you know, I know you played basketball as well as ran track in high school. Do you think that, you know, playing both of those sports kind of helped you transition to playing wide receiver? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, I mean, in track, you know, obviously, you know, working on your speed every day, that's pretty important in today's uh, today's game. Um, and then basketball, you know, there's a lot of carryover in terms of, you know, how you run routes and how you break defenders down. You know, you see guys like Cooper Cup, you know, use the come to balance and, you know, cross people up, uh, basically. So, you know, I played point guard, so I was a pretty good dribbler. So, you I was know, about I to ask, I was like, like so you were guarding that, right? <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I'm going to jump off that real quick because I noticed watching some game tape, your time in Oregon State, uh, you were kind of used as utility all over the place. You were taking handoffs, you were moved around the field, you were in on punt returns and kick returns. Um, so you, you think that lends to your ability because the NFL is moving towards kind of having that utility speedster and you're ridiculously fast, right? Which right. is if you, anyone who watches the tape can see that. So are you, do you think that's something that you can bring to teams? Like, does that... Is that something that's what, what, yeah, what definitely. That I think that's you know one of the things that you know separates me from a lot of other guys um, who play wide receiver is the fact that you know I've played on the outside and I've played in the slot and I've you know done the handoffs and all those things as you said, and also just you know the value that I can bring on special teams, whether you know returning punts and kicks and or being a missile, you know having to go make tackles, you know that's all the things that I've done in my career. So. Kind of going off that, are there any wide receivers that you modeled your game after, whether just growing up or now in college? Is there anyone that you specifically continue to just watch film on? Yeah, growing up, uh, you know, I really liked Doug Baldwin. Um, you know, I tried to try to model my game after him a little bit. And then as I got older, um, you know, guys like Cooper Cup, obviously, um, you know, Hunter Renfro, Jarvis Landry. You know, the way they run routes and, you know, set the defenders up and how they get open versus different coverages are all try to, you know, things that I've tried to add to my game as well. So who's your favorite team? My favorite team? Yeah. So I'm a Cowboys fan, man. Really? Yeah. Wow. I know I'm a Northwest guy, so people always assume, you know, the Seahawks. But yeah, I was about to I've, say. I've always liked the, the Cowboys. I get a lot of hate for that, though. Wow. Yeah, I mean... And it's one of those teams that anywhere across the country can be fans of, like the Lakers right. or the Yankees. So, I mean, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. We're both Chicago guys. So, we grew up. I was going to say, are you guys both Chicago fans? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, like, um, I mean, that's that's impactful, though. I mean, growing up watching these guys on TV and obviously kind of introducing you to the game, and, and, and that, that's really awesome. Um, one of the favorite things I'd like to hear from uh, people who play at a professional level is, you know, acknowledging the guys who came before them. Like, obviously, me as, as the fan – there are guys who are wearing Bears uniforms with the reason that I started playing football, right? I wasn't right. good enough, got hurt in high school, et cetera, all that story, glory days, right? Um, but that's something that I think is really, really cool and really, uh, you know, that, that kind of bonds the, the players with the fans is because players are fans of the game too, right? Or else yeah, they exactly. wouldn't be playing. So. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So I need to go ahead and ask you, and then Max is going to have the next question, but just how have you gone about reading defensive backs over the last couple of years? And do you feel like, you know, over the years at Oregon State, I mean, you've been able to just understand defensive coverages more compared to, you know, what you see on film? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of defenses, um, you know, have specific tendencies and things they like to do, whether it's on, you know, first and second down, third down, um, you know, in the red zone. Um, and when I first got to college, I really didn't understand coverages or, or how complex their, you know, coverages really are. Um, and in college, it's a lot different. Um, teams are much better at, you know, disguising, you know, pre-snap versus post-snap. So you just have to be, um, you know, always playing with your eyes um, and just being able to see, you know, safety rotation, you know, corner leverages, uh, you know, outside linebacker leverage, you know, press, you know, all those all those little details that, you know, will help you get a, you know, read on what the defense is, is playing. So with that experience kind of reading defenses, what, what type of offense do you think that you'd be most suited to playing in the NFL? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, honestly, honestly, probably a team that utilizes, um, you know, more, you know, slot receivers, um, you know, that's what I've been told how, you know, where I project most likely to play in the NFL is in the slot mostly. Um, but in terms of defenses, you know, that, that it, it, you know, to a sense, it doesn't really matter what the defense is. In. It's more important, of, you know, how the offense is, you know, utilizing you and your mm -hmm. skill set. You know? So I'm curious to know, because, you know, you have a couple teammates, or I should say, like former teammates, and I think one coach too, who were actually part of the Bears in 2000 and just over the last couple of years, right? Because I yeah. know that um, Artavius Pierce and Ryan Nall obviously have become really loved by the city of Chicago for whatever reason. And then, you know, the former Oregon State Beavers running back coach, Michael Petrie, was with the yeah. Bears in 2021. Have you kind of leaned on any of those guys for any sort of advice? Just because when I go back and I look at Oregon State and the Bears, there's a lot of names that tend to pop up, even guys that aren't currently on the roster that were drafted by the Bears. So, yeah, I think the Bears love their Oregon State players. Yeah, for sure. You know, my boy uh, Xavier Crawford is there, too. Got to mm -hmm. give him his love. Um, but, yeah, you know, anytime, you know, I, I have an opportunity to reach out to those guys. I'm, I'm more closer with AP because, you know, we were in the same recruiting class. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if I have, you know, ever have any questions, you know, I don't hesitate to ask them or, you know, other guys around the league that I played with. Um, you know, they they – they give a lot of good advice on, you know, how to carry yourself, you know, the day in and day out grind, you know, the day to day um, in terms of, you know, what you do, whether it's, you know, rehab in the morning, meetings, workouts and, you know, just 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 stuff like that to, you know, try to help me out and you know make my transition as, as smooth as possible. 
So one of those former teammates that uh, is in the NFL and actually had a bit of a spotlight is uh, one of your former quarterbacks, Jake Lutton, um, still down in Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville is in an interesting scenario, but he had the opportunity to start a few games. Uh, But that kind of made us think about just how many different quarterbacks have played, started, stepped into roles during your time at Oregon State. And specifically over the past year, uh, with the competition that was started up during during uh, training camp and, and during the spring. Um, do you think that that helped improve you as a wide receiver, seeing so many different types of quarterbacks with different types of play styles? Or could walk us through that, what it looks like as a wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the most important thing is just being able to build chemistry with those guys, right? Um, so, you know, I've had, to, I've had to put a lot of extra work in in the offseason, you know, working with all the different quarterbacks. So I think, um, you know, that's better help prepare me for the season. Um, and also, like you said, they all have different skill sets. So, you know, the offenses are all a little bit different depending on who's in there. So you have to be able to adapt and, and learn to, you know, fit their play style as well as yours. So I'm going to ask a follow-up just in regards to adapting and, like, adjusting to different play styles. Have you found it just, you know, over the years, like, has it been easier for you to kind of adapt to a different quarterback compared to when you first got to Oregon State? Yeah, I, f- I feel like the biggest thing uh, when I got to Oregon State, I was everything was moving so fast and, you know, trying to learn, you know, new offenses. Because, I, you know, I had, you know, two or three different offensive coordinators and head coaches with all the, you know, changes in staff. Um, so, you know, it, it, you play a lot slower when you're out there, you know, thinking too much. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was really the big thing that I, I was focusing on, you know, early on in my career. Awesome. So we're going to switch it up a bit. Um, I want to know more about Oregon state. I'm sure a lot of people in the Midwest want to learn more about Oregon state. Yeah. We're not huge pack watchers. Um, but you know, so Cor- Corvallis, right? Am I saying it right? Is it yeah, Corvallis? Corvallis. So I did some Google map research yesterday, like, like the genius that I am. And uh, I realized and discovered that it's 50 minutes away from Eugene, which yeah, is right. the Ducks play. Right. right. So, so th- what is that? What is that like for the rivalry? Is that intense? Do you sneak around? Do you go to, you know, we so you and some of the guys would go drive down to, you know, Eugene and, and hang out with some of the ducks or, or what does that look like? Uh, I mean, you know, a lot, we have a lot of guys from, you know, who are, who are friends with, you know, dudes growing up who, you know, play at Oregon, at Oregon, you know, I have, fr- I'm from Oregon. So I have right. friends who, you know, went down to Eugene. So sometimes you go out there, um, but, you know, being so close, sometimes you'll see people on campus or like cars driving around with like the O symbol and, you know, like nobody likes that, obviously. Um, and the, yeah, the rivalry, um, there's, there's, it, it's a great rivalry, but Personally, I think Oregon has the worst fans in the country. You know, I'm just going to go. I think Oregon State has the best fans in the country, and I think Oregon has the worst fans in the country. You know, that's just how it is. Um, you know, there's there's no love lost between between us. See, you go ahead and say Oregon's got the worst fans in the country. And, you know, it's interesting because I know their school colors are green and yellow. And it just so happens that, you know, for a lot of Bear fans, they also think that, you know, Packers fans are the worst in the country. Their colors are also green and yellow. But, right. you know, just how is just following up with, you know, Max's question about the rivalry and stuff, you know, how have you kind of gotten more invested into the rivalry over the last few years? Because these rivalry games, I mean, you obviously need to be able to 
keep your composure and just continue to play at a high level because it's one of those games where, you know, if you have a really good game, everybody's going to remember it. You know, if you have right. a really bad game, everyone's going to remember it too. But just how has the rivalry shaped you as an overall player? Uh, you know, it's, it's actually funny. Like, oh, shoot. I'm sorry. My light just turned off. The motion censored in this hotel. I apologize. You're um, good. But like I said, I'm I'm an Oregon kid growing up, so I was I was a Duck fan growing up, um, and you know they they recruited me a little bit. They wanted me to play defense. They didn't think I was good enough to play receiver. Um, you know that's what the, the coach told me. So they didn't end up offering me. So when I went to Oregon State, like all I wanted to do was you know beat Oregon, um, and I I didn't really understand how how big of a deal that game was to you know the the you know Oregon State fans because you know early in my career. You know, you know, we were bad. It is what it is. Um, you know, we probably only won, you know, two to four games those first few years of my career. Um, but my freshman year, we beat Oregon. So, like, the fan, like, they didn't even care what happened in the beginning of the year. As long as we won that game, that's really all that mattered to them. And, you know, just going back to what you said, um, my junior year or my senior year, I had come off of a, a foot injury. And one of the in my last game back it was when they changed the ratio rule to where I could play in four games. So I played in the Civil War game. I had a horrible game, and you know I'm hearing it from everybody, and you know it left a left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and then the past two years, you know I had I had pretty good games in that game, and you know it's crazy how everybody switches up and you know loves you after after that game. But yeah, just like you said, um, you know when you play well, they love you, and you don't, you know they hate you. So. It is what it is, but, you know, you learn from it. Yeah, that's a great mentality to have 100%. And I think that people in any career, you know, in any industry could have that same exact mindset. Um, so that's that's really a good one to have. Right. So so let's talk about the recent success, right? Um, at Oregon State, you guys finally go bowling for the first time in a long time. Uh, it doesn't end up the way, I, you know, like a fairy tale, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but you guys make it to the L.A. Bowl. You, um, you know, during your time at Oregon State, you ride out a season with one win, a season with two wins. What did it finally feel like to be a part of a winning, you know, team at Oregon State and actually getting to a, a opportunity to, to put Oregon State football on national television for the first time uh, in that way in a long time? Yeah, I mean, it felt great. I mean... You know, that's obviously been the goal, um, you know, since I got here was to try to get Oregon State back on that, you know, winning trajectory and being a winning program. Um, and, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, continue to show up and work and, you know, give it give your all every single day when, you know, things aren't going your way. It's easy, you know, when you're winning and having success. Um, but it's just a great feeling to, you know, stay committed to the process for so long and then finally see that result. Um, obviously, to end the way we wanted to. But, you know, I have faith that, you know, Coach Smith is going to continue to be even better. And, you know, my teammates, uh, you know, will continue to change that, that program. How was playing on SoFi? Man, that was that was dope. Yeah. That was dope. <laughs> it, it was way bigger than, like, I expected it to be because I didn't know it was, like, a dome like that. And, you know, all the lights and the locker room and, you know, the, the jumbotron that wraps around the entire, like, top of it. It was crazy. So did it feel like you were, like, playing in a dome? Because they said, like, the roof is translucent. So, I mean, I want to know. How, yeah, like, like the lighting in there was weird. Like, the way, cause I, like, catching punts in there, like, the ball, you kind of lose track of the ball a little bit mm -hmm. just because of, like, like you said, the roof being like that. 
So that like that was the only thing that, you know, I noticed that was, you know, a little bit challenging or different from playing in just regular stadiums. But other than that, no, it was it was a great experience. All right. So I got to kind of take a step back here and ask you regarding, you know, some of the connections to the Bears. And then also, I think just, you know, the Oregon, Oregon State rivalry. Can you maybe briefly touch on what your experiences have been playing against Thomas Graham Jr.? Playing against who? Thomas Graham Jr. I know he was with Oregon oh, yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a really good player. Um, you know, he's patient, got good feet, good technique, smart player. Um, you know, usually when I was playing, like when he was there, I was mostly in the slot. So I was, you know, seeing, you know, more of like Javon Holland. Um, but, you know, yeah, we, I mean, we had some pretty good matchups. Uh, you know, he's, he's a good player. I think he goes on, he competes smart, you know. Yeah, he's an early name for us to keep an eye on, you know, as someone who could start. But who was your least favorite team to play in the Pac-12? Outside of Oregon. Outside of Oregon? Yeah, outside of them. Who least favorite team to play? That's a good question. Probably Washington State. Why is that? You know, I never never beat them. And, you know, Mm. they just be talking a lot. Mm. You know, those Cougars, man. They be doing a lot of talking. But... I say I say probably Washington State. I'll, I'll play off that. What's your favorite team to play? Like stadium wise, game wise. I like I like playing UW. You know because mm-hmm. they always you know had a really good defense, really good secondary, so it was always a challenge. Um, you really got you know test yourself against them, and you know playing at UW, they got one of the you know biggest, loudest stadiums in the pack. You know same thing with Utah, and then I'd say. At SC as well it was it was a cool experience being in the Coliseum. Yeah. Yeah. See, we don't get to watch a lot of Pac-12 football just because every time they it's living here in the Midwest, you know, it's like every time the games are on, it'll be like you know, ten or eleven at night, and then they right. usually end up going to like one or two in the morning. There's days yeah, though, right. I try to catch as many of them as I can. But, you know, let's go back to week one of the 2018 season because Oregon State was blown out 77 to 31. But I think you were the – sorry for giving me that painful reminder. But it's you all were, good. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were like the MVP of that game because you had two touchdowns, 104 yards, uh, six catches on the day. I mean, what did it kind of feel like to lose to Ohio State? But then – what did it also feel like to have such an incredible performance? Yeah, I mean, you know, my my boy Artavis Pierce bought that game too, so give him his flowers as well. Um, mm-hmm. But no, nah, it was a cool experience. Um, it, you know, it was it was Coach Day's first day after you know uh, Urban Meyer had left, so it was sold out. You know, hundred thousand plus rocking. Um, I was really nervous going into the game just because you know that's a, a pretty different atmosphere than what I was used to. And that was like my first game, like really, you know, you know, basically being in on every single play as a starter. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm a competitor, so I, you know, I, I'm gonna accept the challenge. I'm not gonna shy away from you know whoever they have on their defense. Um, and it's just it's just a good opportunity to you know go out there and, and test yourself and you know have fun doing it. I think one of the things that stuck away from that game um, was this. Incredible! It was like just like a like a ten yard slant, and I don't think it was supposed to break to the house, but it did, yeah. uh, just because of that break speed. What is it like playing in the middle of that field? I mean, and now you're looking at Big Ten, you know, secondary. So these are you know supposed to be tougher hitting guys, bigger guys. Yeah. What is it like playing in that in the middle of the field? Just you know, 
getting that ball being surrounded by players? Yeah, I mean, that was early in the game. You know, we were down 7-0 at the time. Um, so it was, it was still rocking. Uh, but, you know, when I caught it, I, I feel like I just had, you know, so much adrenaline when I saw the open field. I was like, oh, snap. Like, you know, usually you don't have that much space. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I just took off and, you know, I ended up scoring. It was, you know, it was a good feeling for sure. But I don't – I feel like they, you know, they blew the coverage on that a little bit. I don't think I was supposed to be that open. It was cool to watch, though. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm not I'll, – I'll take it. I'm sure it hyped up the offense for sure. And the yeah, defense, definitely. yeah. All right, so last one that I have for you, and I'm sure Max has another question or two after this, but kind of what advice do you have for a lot of these high school seniors that are going to be playing in college next year? Um, You know, just be patient. Um, You know, I didn't really get my opportunity to, you know, really, like I said, really be out there starting until my my junior year. Um, You know, you see a lot of guys nowadays, you know, jumping ship, you know, want like be there for a term and then transfer because, you know, they're sitting behind a guy. But, you know, I would just say, you know, you know, if, if you put the work in and you're diligent to, you know, your process, um, you know, the good, good things will happen if you just, you know, you just stay the course and put the work in. So what are then what are next steps for you uh, in the next couple of months here? What's your schedule looking like? What, what are you up to? Yeah, so I'm, I'm out in Fort Myers right now. I've uh, been here for about a month. We, uh, you know, we got about two workouts a day, six days a week. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays are a little lighter days with like yoga and, you know, stuff like that. But I'll be doing that uh, until middle of March and then pro days, March 31st, we're one of the later ones. Yeah. You know, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on you for or during that March 31st pro day. Hopefully they have hopefully, you know, one of the big TV networks is there so we can tune in or maybe one of our schedules is going to line up. Hopefully mine that we can actually get out there, and you know, get a chance to watch you in person. But, you know, before we get you out of here, man, where can people follow you on social media and just continue to keep up with you? Uh, social media, Twitter is all the same. It's just Trevon underscore Bradford. You know, nothing special. Um, but no, nah, I mean, I, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Definitely. Yeah, we appreciate yeah, abs- you coming on. Yeah, you know, thanks so much for coming on. Obviously, you know, you know where to reach us. If you ever need anything over the, you know, course of draft season or need anything in general, you know, let us know. We'd be happy to help in any way we can. I know I'm in Chicago right now, but Max is in um, somewhere in Florida. I completely forgot okay, where. Okay, where are you at, Max? Uh, I'm over in Orlando, so I know Orlando? Fort Myers okay. pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you where are you, are you from Chicago as well? Or just yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from, from Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Moved down to Florida for uh, for for school. I didn't go to UF, uh, smaller school. Nobody yeah. knows about it, but we have two <laughs> alumni in the NFL right now. One of them, okay. Donald Parnum, great guy. Um, another one plays for the Jaguars. I forgot his name. I'm so sorry. But, uh, <laughs> I only know I don't know because I I met Donald a couple of times. So he's a great yeah. guy. But yeah, no, that's what's up, then, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on once again, man. And keep in touch. You know, best of luck to you. And we'll see you out there too, all right? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me, man. Have a great night, man. Thanks, bud. All right, Max, I think it's just time real quick to go ahead and debrief here. But what were some of your takeaways from just getting a chance to speak to Trayvon? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's incredibly cool an opportunity to talk to somebody who's played, obviously, in a power conference. Um, you know, seems like a guy who really understands it. Like, uh, it's, it's very clear his passion for the game, his passion for his craft. Um, this is a guy, again, who spent 
uh, five years at Oregon State. One was extended because of his injury, like he said, he was redshirted. Um, but he stuck through a program that was going through it, like one win season, two win season. Um, and they finally had a winning season this year. Things are finally starting to click. Um, and he's a piece of that puzzle, right? And I think that's incredible statement to who he is as a player and as a person um, with perseverance involved that he could have transferred. And he's had interviews before where he said that he's, you know, looked at it before and he's thought about it, but at the end of the day, he stuck through it um, and stayed at a team that wasn't getting its flowers. But sure enough, LA bowl, he's on national television, he's playing Utah state. So if I stadium, you know, it's, 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 it's just patience. Like he said, it's all about patience. Yeah, you know, I really like kind of just how he talked about the matchups that he had with guys like Javon Holland, along with our guy Thomas Graham Jr., who I think is a really early lock to kind of start for the Bears at cornerback too next season. And, you know, what he said about Thomas Graham Jr. really sticks out to me because I think just – getting away from an NFL draft perspective here, but then looking at it from the Bears' perspective. Now, I don't think the Bears gave Thomas Graham Jr. a fair shake at the cornerback position and an opportunity to start. And so seeing that Trayvon basically had a real strong endorsement of Thomas and just who he was as a player and his play style, that's certainly something to you know keep an eye on. It's something that I know you and I are definitely going to look back at when we do our training camp positional previews later on in the summer. But you know, I what I, what I really liked is the vibe I got from Trayvon is that he's been in the system for so long that you could almost get the feel for seeing that this is someone who clearly stepped onto campus in Cornwallis and then just over the years kind of developed into a leader and you could see the traits of a leader and someone that has a prominent voice in the locker room just consistently with Trayvon yeah no 100% I mean he was a limited time captain if I believe correctly or he was a full captain um, there's pictures of him wearing a C on his, on his Jersey. He's obviously a voice in the locker room. It's clear that he has connections and was, you know, friends with players who are now in the NFL, like he said with AP. Um, so and by that, I mean, Octavius Pierce, the bears AP, um, 100%. And, you know, I think stepping, putting on our draft analysts and, and bears fat, uh, fans hat is, um, you know, Trevon definitely has a, has an, uh, there's a fit on the bears, uh, for, for his skill set 100%. And I think that's something that, um, we will be watching uh, at his pro day and we'll continue to watch his development, um, or at least in, in, in the scouting reports. Um, but there's an NFL pro comp for him that I saw floating around that I like a lot, which is Christian Kirk is that this guy, um, you know, size isn't everything, but look, we're transitioning to a modern NFL where wide receivers don't have to be six, three, you know, two, 200 or two ten anymore. Um, wide receivers like, like Tyreek Hill, uh, like Tariq Cohen, who's playing out of the slot can fit in that position and be that kind of utility guy who's just game breaking speed. And, and Trevon brings that to the table, right? So there's definitely an opportunity uh, on the roster <laughs> for him in, in Chicago, especially with some of the uh, lack of, of depth we have at the wide receiver position. Um, but he's definitely a name to watch uh, moving forward here with some pro day and some film. Um, I think we should see his uh, draft stock rise here. Yeah. And, you know, you touched on such a key element because of his player comp or his pro to player comp, whatever you want to call it. Cause the terms are interchangeable. And I've been doing this for so long that I've heard both names floated around, honestly, but 
there's something to be said because when you look at the way that teams have used players like a Christian Kirk in the past and specifically the Arizona Cardinals, there's something that sticks out because Christian Kirk kind of reminds me of guys like Christian Kirk and Hunter Renfro are kind of your modern day Wes Welkers in a sense. Okay. The teams are going to move them around, you know, have them play the X, Y, and Z position. Sometimes they're going to be in the slot. Sometimes they're going to be directly on the line of scrimmage. Sometimes they might even be used as gadget players. And, you know, Trayvon mentioned he watches a lot of Cooper Cup tape and Cooper Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are certainly two guys that you watch and you really get the vibe that, okay, the Rams move those guys around a ton just throughout the course of the 2021 season. But, you know, specifically when we talk about the Bears, I think that knowing how Luke gets his offense, I expect it to kind of have some Kyle Shanahan concepts in there along with some Matt LaFleur concepts. Because remember, Matt LaFleur learned under Kyle Shanahan. There's certainly an argument to be made that he could come in and what he will do is make the – and by he, I mean Trayvon could make these guys like Bears playmakers such as a Darnell Mooney or a Cole Komet or even a Daz Newsome a bit more expendable, which really bodes well anyway because that just means you're doing more with less on your team, okay? And when I say less in that context, I mean that you don't need to have, you know, seven or eight different wide receivers on your 53-man roster. You just have a couple really good ones, which bodes well. But also, I think the way that teams are utilizing wide receivers is continuing to change, too. I mean, how many times did we see the Packers go ahead and move Devontae Adams all over the field? Because under Mike McCarthy, Devontae Adams was primarily always the X receiver. There were times where he was rarely in the slot, but then you look at his fit under Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getze, Matt LaFleur, you know, and Adam Senevich, who's now the offensive coordinator in Green Bay. But really those four guys that were kind of the Packers brain trust and the fifth guy being Aaron Rodgers, um, who I think is the center of attention of some other controversy. I have no idea, by the way, because he's always in the news because he's a really bad guy. But anyways, the point I'm making, I think, is that like you see the way that the Packers move Devontae Adams around and you see the way a team like the Ravens moves a guy like Marquise Brown around. Hey, there's a legit argument to be made that teams are realizing the more we're able to move our star players around, the better. And, you know, as I mentioned, controversies and moving star wide receivers around. I mean, just look at Allen Robinson. He was primarily an ex his first two seasons and then really, or I'm sorry, the first three years he was kind of an ex receiver. And then the Bears just started moving him around more and more in 2020 as well as 2021. But then, you know, there's a whole debate going around about was he really phased out of the offense or is it also the fact that he missed multiple games due to injuries? Yeah, and I mean, let's look at the passing game coordinator for the Chicago Bears this year, Ty Tolbert, wide receivers coach as well, coming to us from a swath of teams, but most recently New York Giants. Look at what the Giants did with Jason Garrett, right? Um, they moved wide receivers a lot too because they had a pretty stacked wide receiver room uh, that was just riddled with injuries, right? Uh, but I mean, guys like Kadarius Tony had a breakout year because what did he have? He had game-breaking speed and game-breaking footwork abilities. Like he was making guys look like they were on ice skates, you know, just ridiculous, ridiculous. Like Tariq Cohen is kind of how I would say it was like watching him uh, two years ago. Ridiculous. The guy was crazy. But he was moved around a lot as well. So I think Ty Tolbert's going to bring that kind of mentality to the Chicago Bears where – 
you know what, regardless of your size, we're going to put you on different spots of the field and we're going to make the defense adjust, right? Because that's what that's what it's all about, is keeping the defense on their toes and making sure that they're making the correct adjustments. And it's also about what are the route concepts that we're trying to generate here. So I'd expect a lot more of that moving forward with Tyke. Um, and again, this guy is, is, is kind of a legend uh, with some of the talent that he's been able to develop over his, over his tenure in the league. Uh, so... I would, I would, uh, I'd be pretty excited uh, about the Bears wide receiver core moving forward. Um, we just have to go out and get talent like Trevon. <laughs> so, yep, and certainly we'll continue to keep an eye on that talent. But listen, guys, thanks for tuning in for the interview. Make sure you're following Trayvon on social media. Make sure you're following us on social media too. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Follow myself and Max on Twitter at Usaid Kosho and at Max Smith ESM. Have a great weekend, guys. If you're in the Chicagoland area, I know it's snowing outside right now, so certainly make sure that you're staying warm and safe. Get out there and shovel your driveways tonight or snow plow them just so the ice and the snow doesn't freeze over and then scratch your car not that it happened to me but just friendly awful. reminders yeah legitimately terrible anyways we're gonna get out of this thing though check back in with us next week guys we're gonna have a defensive tackle on the show for you who's also a 2022 nfl draft prospect he's from the sec you'll find out who he is because the bears do need a true three technique so yeah until then ladies and gentlemen bear down and have a great day all right What's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears YouTube channel. Usaid Kolschel here, back with another prospect preview interview. This week, we've got Ole Miss's very own defensive tackle, Tarikus Tisdale. How you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm good. I'm good, man. Just enjoying life. And before we get into the action, guys, make sure you're like and subscribing to all of our social media platforms, including YouTube. But you know, this is certainly the time to enjoy life because I think you're kind of entering this like phase where you're going from all right, college all the way to the NFL draft, certainly the next big step. And there's a lot of, I think, fun things along the way. But I think, you know, we got to take a step back. I mean, why Northwest Mississippi Community College? You started there. And then why did you decide to go to Ole Miss? So actually at a high school, I committed and signed with Ole Miss. Um, I ended up being a non-qualifier at a high school due to my ACT. And Northwest ended up being like the halfway point between my hometown and Ole Miss is why I ended up at Northwest and stuck with Ole Miss because they stuck with me. So let's talk about your path to football. I mean, have you always played defensive line? And mm. then when – so what did you play first then? So growing up, I started playing football, say, third grade. I was a running back and a safety and then, say, about middle school, I was a running back and a linebacker. And then throughout high school, I was uh, – my freshman year, I was a running back and a linebacker. Sophomore year, running back, linebacker. Junior year, I moved to the end. 
senior year I played D tackle and running back. So I played offense up until college. <laughs> All right. So I got to ask you a real quick follow-up question then. Do you feel like playing defensive line right now that your experience playing all those different positions just throughout, you know, high school, as well as just growing up, do you feel like that certainly helped you become a better defensive tackle? Yeah, for sure. It definitely helped mold me and, you know, develop me to being a defensive tackle or defensive end type guy. So I know you played high school basketball too. How do you think playing high school basketball has helped you just become a better football player? Um, really, I think um my like movement, you know, speed wise, like athleticism. I think basketball was like I'd say a key point. I really thought I was a basketball player before I was a football player at the end. And, all right, so I have to ask you this. I mean, how do you describe your skill set as a defensive lineman? And then is there anyone that you've modeled your game after at the NFL level? Um, I, I wouldn't say I'd try to model my game after anyone. There, there is, like, guys in the NFL that I like to study, you know, you know, try to steal some tips from them or, like, add something to my game from them, like guys like Miles Garrett and – pass rush techniques from TJ Watt, how to play to run like Aaron Donald, you know, just little things like that. I just look into. So kind of what traits or attributes do you think a defensive lineman needs to possess to be a impact player? Um, Definitely. I'd say speed and strength link. I think length is a big deal too, as a, as a defensive end, having been able to play with length long arms and you know keep being able to play with separation mm -hmm. yeah it's you know certainly important you see i think a lot of these top tier you know just pass rushers and defensive linemen in general they all have you know the ability to convert speed to power as well as just really long arms too but you know you play defensive line at old miss so do you see yourself as a defensive tackle or a defensive end at the next level or a bit of both um, I, I can definitely say both, but if I had to play one, I think I'm a defensive end hundred percent. So why defensive end over defensive tackle? Um, really? Cause you know, most D tackles are sitting in there at 300 plus. Um, I'm sitting here at 280 and I'm a speed guy. So like, I feel like my speed and power on the edge was going, is what's going to help me at the next level. Instead of being inside, it's definitely going to help way more outside. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let's talk SEC football because you're playing in the best conference in the country. And, you know, you're playing against top tier competition each week. Now, for you at Ole Miss, how do you think that, that level of competition in the SEC bodes well for you in terms of moving on to the next level? Um, I'd say playing in the SEC is you you it's the it's the NFL of college football. So if if you want to be developed and be ready for the next level, I, I'd say SEC is the way to go. Like you you're gonna see the best of the best, go against the best of the best, and be coached by some of the best playing in the SEC. So I think like a motto here at Ole Miss these the past two years under Kiffin, they had a, a motto is um pro mindset. So like everything we do, we do as pros. So, all right, you mentioned Lane Kiffin. I have to ask you, I mean, kind of how do you think you on an individual level have grown under Lane Kiffin? 
Um, he's definitely an offensive-minded guy, so like he's way more involved with offense. But just, just like you know, the leadership, the growth, like as a player, I'd say, and just like like I said, the pro mindset, like doing things as pros, is something that Kiffin, you know, instilled in me and a lot of other players. All right, so this one's a bear specific question, but Chicago hasn't drafted a player from Ole Miss in nearly 15 years. I think the last time the Bears drafted anyone from Ole Miss was 07, but knowing that the Bears are going to be looking for D-line help this offseason, lots of turnover, you know, what do you think you can bring to the table in Chicago? Oh, for sure. Um, Pat, me being a defensive end, speed, power, um, being, being a versatile guy, I, could, I can come in and help on third downs, like as a pass rusher inside and I can boom, I can move outside. I could stand up, you know, I could, I could do it all like to help out as a defensive lineman. Yeah, it's certainly interesting because the Bears, I think, you know, over the last like six, seven seasons, they've kind of relied on the same couple of defensive linemen, like in Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman. You could throw for four seasons, Bilal Nichols in there, and now that group is certain to see some turnover with, you know, not a single one of those three names coming back. But I, I got to ask you, right, how, have you leaned on, you know, former teammates that have been drafted? Have you leaned on them for advice at all of any sort? I mean, uh. I wouldn't say not. I wouldn't say I land on any of my former teammates, but um, I got I got a old roommate from junior college. He um he's in the NFL and he plays for the Seattle Seahawks. I, I kept me and him keep in touch, and he's you know, told me how things are, you know, what they expect and stuff like that. So. So what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for you going from Ole Miss to the NFL? Mm, I'd say, for one, um, moving, moving again, the speed of the game, because I know every level of the game gets the speed of the game gets faster. So everything, everything's more up, upbeat, up tempo, and I think that's going to be the biggest, biggest change. You know. Mm-hmm. So, all right, you know, you've been playing D line obviously for a while now, but how do you? Do you feel like compared to when you first stepped on campus at Ole Miss compared to right now, you're getting ready to go to the pros. Do you feel like a more complete player with all the coaching and experience that you've got under your belt? Um, Yeah, a hundred percent. I definitely say from the time I go back and look at film from my sophomore season when I reported to my COVID senior year that I'm a completely different football player, a much better football player. Um, I grew into the game. I learned the game better. I know the game. Um, just so so much more that I brought along with me throughout this process. So you talk about so much more. What exactly do you think you brought on as a football player that changed from you know sophomore year to this year? Um, size for sure. Like putting on, learning how to, learning how to eat right, learning how to, you know, stretch and use the weight room, the playbook, learning how to watch film and take notes. It's just little things to help me become a better player. So, all right. I work at a high school and, you know, we got a really good defensive line group, but I got to ask you this one question, kind of, how do you go about preparing for a game each week and compared from like high school to college, let's say, 
how has you know game preparation and game week just changed? Um, see, uh, I, I'd say in high school to when I was in high school, watching film wasn't like a big thing to do on your own. It was something like you did like at practice or with your coach. Well, here when you, when I got to the college level, like we got iPads, so when I went home, I could continue to watch film. So studying film, studying your opponent is something that you do week like each week like up until up until game time like you I, I sometimes i'm watching film on the bus on the way to the game like you it's just it's just so much more like with film and film study so do you think in terms of you know college more so it's been a lot more about like like obviously the game's physical at every level but do you think film studies just been more and more emphasized at the college level compared to high school yeah i i'd agree so because i i know when i was in high school film study wasn't something that was something that was our coaches wanted us to do or to forced us to do or even demanded to do like in college like it's something that's recommended by not even not only coaches but like leaders of the team like players in position like hey make sure you watch film make sure you look over this like look at these keys like it's it's so it's so different so let's get back to the sec here i mean who is your favorite team to play and then who is your least favorite team to play um uh let's see i don't even know if i could say a least favorite team because i mean I, I enjoy playing anybody um favorite team to play this year would I'd, I'd probably say tennessee with me being from tennessee i was i almost went to the university of tennessee so that was that was fun um being in newland stadium so i'd say tennessee was definitely a playing game to play Oh, okay. I could say a least favorite would be playing LSU at LSU with the stadium being so loud. But other than that, that's about it. All right. So I got to ask you, it seems like watching it, just attending one of those LSU games, the one of those home games seems to be something that every college football fan wants to experience. But kind of what's the atmosphere like in that stadium in terms of when you're going in for the game? Cause I know Ole Miss and LSU just kind of, yeah, they love to go at it. And those are always really good games. The atmosphere, crazy, like stadium rocking. Like we could be sitting right beside each other and not even hear a single word we're saying, like it's that loud in there. Like you could feel it like shaking in your body. Like it's that loud in at LSU. So, let, I mean, let's talk big games for a second, right? But do you, you know, how do you feed off the crowd energy in these big games? And how do you just continue to stay composed and play at a high level? Really, when I'm on the field, like, I don't hear nothing out, outside of what I'm doing on the field. Like, it, it's crazy to think about. But when I'm, like, when I'm in the game, like, on the field, nothing. Like, it, I feel like I don't hear anything. Interesting. So this one's more of like, you know, related to just your entire college career. And I think it's one of the tougher questions, but what was the favorite moment of your college career? My favorite moment of my college career, I'd probably say. Uh, 
my first ever career sack my sophomore year against Arkansas at Arkansas. We ain't beat Arkansas in like the last couple years, and I ended up getting my first career sack to force a punt. We get the ball back, score, and go up and end up winning the game. So it sounds like you certainly kind of contributed to that victory, right? Always one that is going to end up being something that you'll remember, you know, forever. But got two more questions for you here before we get you out. But, you know, second to last question is, well, I should say really three more questions, right? But second to last question is, what's your life like off the football field? Because I think, you know, for a lot of people, there's this pain picture that's painted you know and growing up an athlete myself it was kind of oh this is who you are you know you go to school and then you're an athlete that's pretty much your whole life especially the higher it kind of gets you know the more levels and stuff that you play but what do you like outside of football man um so outside of football I'm chilling majority of the time like me and my me and my teammates, like we come over, we chill, we hop on Madden, we hop on 2K. If not, we're playing Call of Duty. I actually got a daughter now, so now yeah, I'm with my daughter, raising her with my girl, spending time with my family. I go back home, see moms. My outside of football, I'm just I'm a I'm a huge family person and a gamer. Love the video game. <laughs> All right, what's your favorite game of all those? And just on the Ole Miss squad, I mean, who gets the most competitive when it comes to playing Madden? Oh, oh, we we got a few. We got a got. It's really the D line room too. I'd say the whole D line room. We're all Madden fanatics. Like we are. Oh, I'm the best in the room. Or no, I'm the best in the room. Like this is back and forth. What was the other question you just asked? Um, other question. Well, that I mean that was you know. Well, which is your favorite like video game of like Madden, Call of Duty, Two K? Oh, yeah. Madden for sure. Yeah, growing up playing Madden, I mean that was my go-to. So every time my teammates used to be over at my house, I used to be over it there. We'd be at each other's houses. It was always like. Madden would get so damn competitive to the point where the moms used to have to come downstairs and be like, y'all need to quiet down because this is getting a bit too crazy. But listen, um, last one for you here. You know, there's going to be a, there's a whole bunch of high school seniors across the country that are playing college football next year, you know, whether it's D1, 2, or 3. And I think your story really serves as an impact and as an example of just continue to grind, you know, and you will end up reaching places that people – thought you could never previously go. So what advice do you have for seniors that are going to be playing in college next year? Mm, this is a message, not even just seniors, but any any athlete in any sport. Like just always believe in yourself, bet on yourself, and you know, never give up on something that you you really you really care about and you really love to do. Like football is something I've always loved and always cared about. I, I was counted out by many people. So many people didn't believe I could do it or make it to where I'm at today, but I believed in me. I kept my faith in God, and that, that's it. Like, that's that's all he wrote. Like God already has a plan for you, and it's already written. That's some excellent advice, you know, not just for football players, but athletes. But Tarikus, before we get out of this thing, you know, plug your social media handles, whatever they may be, so people can kind of follow you and just keep up with your work. All right. Um, Instagram T underscore Tisdale twenty two. Same thing on TikTok and same thing on Twitter. Same thing, T underscore Tisdale 22. All right. Thanks so much for being on the show, guys. Make sure you're going ahead and following Tarikus. Great story, you know, great interview, man. 
thanks so much for being on and uh, keep in touch if you ever need anything let us know and you're certainly more than welcome back on here at any time all right appreciate you dog all right guys so you know who that was that was Tarikus tisdale from Ole miss defensive lineman just a couple quick takeaways before we get the rest of you guys out of here but you know like i said i, I think as i mentioned kind of throughout the interview someone that has really grown into the position of playing defensive line. He's also a player that I think has a lot of potential being someone that's like six foot four, six foot five coming in around 280 pounds. You know, you certainly see his ability to kind of get after the quarterback is something that sticks out on tape. Certainly someone that's humble, has a great work ethic, great attitude. And, you know, he's doing a lot of different things outside of football too, you know, just in terms of raising his daughter as well with, his girls, he described it. But, you know, when we look at this pick in context, in the context of the Chicago Bears, there's kind of something to be said for all this, right? I think what needs to be said is the fact that the Bears do have a need at defensive line. It's like I mentioned in the interview. Perhaps the biggest thing I think you're dealing with is that there's a real possibility Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, and Bilal Nichols aren't back in 2022. So, what is that going to do for the Bears? I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of new faces on this defensive line group. You combine that with some of the impending free agents the Bears have, and we could be looking up here at the end of March going in April with D-line being a completely different need. You know, in terms of scheme fit, I do think Tisdale has what it takes to play that kind of three technique that the Bears are looking for. I know that for some, he may not be the impact player that the Bears want, but ultimately when you look at it, I certainly think that Tizio could fit this Matt Eberflus defense as a player that really is going to come in and could possibly even start off as a rotational guy, but then continue to grow into his role. So, you know, really for Chicago overall, what this is all about is knowing and understanding that he's a defensive lineman who played in the SEC. And like he described it, it's the NFL of college football. You're playing against the best of the best every single week. And so ultimately that right there, I think is going to make a really big difference. You know, for me, and I've always kind of been of this opinion that the conference you play in really tends to matter. And in Tisdale's case, playing in the SEC is significant because he's getting an opportunity to play against the best of the best. And, you know, sometimes SEC guys just seemingly have a much easier transition over to the NFL compared to the other conferences because the level of coaching, the competition, and something that really stuck out to me was just how playing in Death Valley when it was Ole Miss versus LSU was very, very interesting because he effectively went ahead and, and you know, said, hey, look, like, you don't really feel anything when, or I don't really feel anything when I'm on the field. And that type, if you can perform in those high pressure situations, I think it bodes really well for you moving forward in terms of how you're going to perform and just your mental capacity in terms of being able to go ahead and play the game, you know, at a really high level in the NFL. And so ultimately, you know, I think, when we continue to bring these draft prospects on Tisdale, someone to certainly keep an eye on and someone that I think can really go ahead. And the NFL continues to move to this kind of speed to power when it comes to its pass rushers and emulating guys like TJ Watt, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, you know, certainly something that's really important too for a guy like Tisdale, who I would fully expect to hear his name called on draft day. 
But anyways, guys, that's going to do it from us. This has been Usaid Kosho. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Kosho. Make sure you're following Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Make sure you've liked, commented, and subscribed to the YouTube channel. We've got a lot more prospect previews coming your way. A lot more interviews. I think we've got like 15 to 20 of them scheduled total. But good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you may be. Have a great day, ladies and gentlemen. And... Bear down.